That's the fight. That's the fight. That's what you charged $100 for? For them to not hit each other for an hour and a half? That's your fight? Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31 was probably the least anticipated match in 20 years and was 100 times more exciting than the most anticipated match in 20 years of boxing, which just goes to show you that professional wrestling is better than boxing and Floyd Mayweather fights like a bitch. This is the Yes Talk. WrestleMania 3 at the Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan. It's going to be called down the middle, 50-50. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. I heard you laugh. I heard you get off on it, brother. In their business life and in their private life. Hello, welcome back. This is the Yes Talk. I am your host, Dustin Kaufman. Thank you for listening. Again, the Yes Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast right here on TrendingTopicsNetwork.com. I just want to say thanks to the boys across the hall uh, at the Spanish Announce Table. Uh, If you haven't heard them, check them out on TrendingTopicsNetwork.com. I'm coming to you live from Studio H right here in the Cumulus Radio Building in Kansas City. Um, we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, I'm just going to kind of get right to it. Uh, I got a, I got a long show here. So, all right. Roman Reigns said, and this is building up to the main event, to the triple threat. This is when they were like building the triple threat for payback. Roman Reigns said, this is right after his match with Big Show, his big old feud with the Big Show. Whoa, this is the feud show. All right. So Roman Reigns said on SmackDown that every match he's had since WrestleMania 31, he's had to scratch and claw and fight. And that would mean something if it's been more than one pay-per-view since WrestleMania. It's only been one pay-per-view since WrestleMania. It's been one month. And you fought Big Show every week, Roman Reigns. That would have meant more if it had been six months. And if you had actually been working your way through the roster. But he hasn't. He hasn't been working his way through the roster. He fought Big Show for three, four weeks straight after WrestleMania. And now he's in another main event. Okay, so it really does with the big show, all right? So words like that, when you come out, and I've, I've had to scratch and claw and fight, and you're making it sound like you've been on this long journey since WrestleMania. Since WrestleMania 31, you've had to scratch and claw and fight. No, you had a mid-card feud with the big show. You flipped the table on him. All right, good. Woo. You have not had a journey. You have still, that is not paying your dues. To me, the point of having Roman Reigns lose at WrestleMania and not putting the belt on him at WrestleMania was because maybe he wasn't ready. Because why would you just, you're gonna, you're putting Roman Reigns in the same situation that Ryback was put in when he first came in. He was just unnecessarily built way too fast. I mean, they started him slow with the jobbers, but then what happened was they kept putting him in title matches that he wouldn't win. And eventually people stopped caring. And to me, that's why Roman Reigns was perfect with the big show coming out of wrestlemania you didn't have him win at wrestlemania which is great that's smart because he's not ready the best way to build this guy is to give him more time and let him naturally grow all right so now uh he's back one month he's had to scratch and claw and fight his way through one feud three more weeks with the big show and he's back at the main event why so he can lose it so he can not win another title match is he gonna win 
Is Roman Reigns, are we going to see a Roman Reigns take that uh, Seth Rollins position with the shield? Could that, could that, are we going to see a haircut? Are we going to see maybe a shaved face and a suit on Roman Reigns? Are we going to see that? I don't know. Get him out of that vest. Get him out of that vest. All right. I mean, with the, speaking of the authority and the big show, people, you know, people are saying that Kane and Big Show are old and irrelevant and get them off TV. Well, people are, you know, and so what did WWE do? They wrote them a story about being old and irrelevant. And it's actually pretty brilliant. And it's working. They took a guy, Kane, that, that nobody wanted anything to do with anymore. And they made him interesting. They made us care about Kane. As you know, as we were saying, we don't care about Kane. They might as care about Kane. Uh, at least we care enough to be curious as to what's going to happen with him. They've made him a lot more relevant since they said he was irrelevant. They put Kane in a dilemma that we have, as fans, have put on him. They heard what we were saying, and so they're like, okay, let's play with this. And that's part of what the reality era is, I think, is they take things that, that actual people are like, okay, these guys are old, they're stale, they're not doing anything. So, And then, oh, what do they do? They write them a story on TV about being old and stale and not doing anything. Well, that's great. That's because then I feel connected to, like, this guy's real-life problems. It, it's kind of like reality show, I guess, in that – I mean, in the reality era, right, because – it's it's not like they put that upon us. It's not like WWE said, "Hey, Kane and Big Show are old and stale and irrelevant." They didn't nobody. They didn't say, "Hey, don't care about Kane anymore." I mean, kind of when they took the mask off him, but it's just a, a different part of the character. He has to keep evolving, doing something. If the mask was stale, I mean, this is a new venture for Kane, and he's probably enjoying it. He's probably enjoying it. I mean, he gets you know, I couldn't see why not. I mean, he's not. He. I don't even think he liked the mask very much. I mean, so, and he's getting older. He still looks tough. He's still in great shape, Kane is. He still gets in the ring all the time, and he's on. He probably has more television time than anybody else, which I mean, he knows how to work the TV, but still, it's, we could fill that time with wrestling. All right, so, um, yeah, we, we could do that. Okay, Ryback versus Bray Wyatt, uh, this feud, man, God. Like, last night, Ryback came out. Not only was it such a lackluster response for Ryback, now they're chaining Goldberg again. I mean, he even said to the audience, he said, you sound hungry, and nobody made a sound for it at all. Like, uh, like, Ryback, what did he say this week? He said, I take fear and eat it. Oh, fuck. How many food analogies are we going to get at a Ryback during this feud? The eater of worlds has bitten off more than he can chew. When I devour Luke Harper, feed me more. Having Ryback talk about Bray Wyatt makes Bray Wyatt look bad. I take the... Oh, God. The eater of worlds has bitten off more than he can chew. When I devour Luke Harper, feed me more. You sound hungry. I take fear and eat it. I beat up hot dogs. I beat up... Why Why is Ryback in a feud with Bray Wyatt? It makes Wyatt sound bad. All right. 
Having Ryback talk about Bray Wyatt makes Wyatt look bad. It makes Wyatt sound bad. Look, I said this weeks ago, and it's shaping up to prove me right. Ryback has no business anywhere near Bray Wyatt. Athletically, talent-wise, promo-wise, Ryback has no business near Bray Wyatt. I imagine WWE thought Bray Wyatt could probably get Ryback over a little. But here's what's happening. We're getting the same promos from Wyatt that we've heard. And Ryback is talking about food. I don't necessarily blame Wyatt. It's like, what do you say about Ryback? The Ryback character just doesn't mesh with the Wyatt character. I I just don't see Ryback being someone that Bray Wyatt can sink his teeth into. No food pun intended. I, like, I like Bray Wyatt anytime he shows up. It's exciting. All right. And this is what, what Ryback has done. This is one thing he has done. When I see Ryback now, I do get excited uh, only because I know I'm probably going to see Bray Wyatt. So Ryback has gotten me excited to see Bray Wyatt. Okay, he got me excited for somebody else. All right, congratulations. It's just not. It's just not good. I don't. In my opinion, um, all right. I just. I'd like to see better. I'd like to see more. Uh, all right, the WWE Studios. If WWE is serious about WWE Studios and wants to be taken seriously in the movie industry, stop. Making Miz movies. Stop making Miz movies. Stop making movies with The Miz. The Miz is in no way the George Clooney of WWE. So why... Are they treating The Miz like the George Clooney of WWE? He's not good. Are you, he's not good. All right? He's, he's not good. Stop making movies with The Miz. They need to pick it up. They've actually they've invested in some pretty good movies. When you go to the WWE Studios list and there's actually some pretty good movies, but I keep The Miz's and The Marine 4 like why would you tell people you made that movie? With Summer Rae, you're going to admit not only does The Miz come out and brag about it, the WWE admitted to making it? Oh, no. It's oh no, 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 no. How long until WWE movies are on the network? That needs to happen. I mean, why would you not put them on the network? That's the big picture, okay? Your five-minute shows, all these new shows that you told me we're going to have, and now they're eight minutes? Come on. That's not programming. This isn't YouTube, WWE Network, all right? You're not YouTube. You're not. You're you five and eight. You can't promote five-minute shows. You can, but I'll be disappointed. I want to sit down. I want to sit down with dinner. I want to invest my time into a show, into a journey, whether it be an hour, a half hour, two hours. I, I, I don't want to sit down and get comfortable for the evening in eight minutes. What is it, a Stephen Wright joke? 
I have a microwave fireplace. I can sit down in front of it and get warm for the evening in eight minutes. And that's how I feel about the WWE Network. Promoting, it's... They're making bad decisions. I mean, you know, I guess they released a lot more raw episodes, a little bit more content, and they do have these new shows, but these five, eight-minute shows, no, that can't fly. You need programming. You need shows. You need people coming to the network to watch programming. And WWE movies, having your movies on the WWE network, well, that's, I think you absolutely need to do that. Maybe in time, you can actually charge like a little, an extra dollar or two a month to see the movies. Um, I don't know if that they should do that. It's just like Netflix. I mean, essentially, you're the pro wrestling Netflix. You have episodes and you should have your movies and you're creating content just like Netflix is creating original content. But Netflix isn't creating eight minute original pieces because Netflix knows people want to watch. Netflix is releasing shows a season at a time because they know people just want to binge watch. People want to sit down and invest their time into a good show. They want to watch a show till it's over. Week to week is fine. That's necessary. Again, I think WWE Network should be focusing on things like the Legends House. They need a Legends House, too. I said it last week. The WWE Network should be focusing on Legends House, too. Quit everything. Quit the pay-per-views. Quit the After Raw specials. Quit interviewing the owner about their childhood and just make Legends House, too. Please. That was a good interview, though, with Stephanie McMahon. I mean, we got a coach, Stephanie McMahon. The talk is Jericho. We got a coach, Stephanie McMahon. Not only was she coached, she was supervised at the, at the beginning. Like, Vince McMahon was literally in the studio for the first part of that interview. Now, I'll be honest. I wasn't expecting a hard-hitting interview. I just wasn't. Therefore, I wasn't disappointed. I also wasn't expecting them to talk about her fake breast for 20 minutes, and therefore, I was also pleasantly pleased. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I mean, I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and not just since I started the Yes Talk. I love pro wrestling podcasts. I like the weekly shows a lot. Pro Wrestling Torch is great. It's probably one of my favorite weekly shows just to listen to what's going on. But there are only so many topical pro wrestling podcasts. I listen to the Spanish announce table across the hall every week as well. I love those guys. Again, there are only so many topical shows. Um, at least that I listen to regularly. So after I get through the topical, up-to-date, opinionated pro wrestling shows, I move on to the other side of pro wrestling podcasts, which is the interviews. I love a good interview, especially when it's somebody I like. And honestly, even if it's somebody I have never heard of, it can still be a great interview. I can find it interesting. Sometimes the reason I haven't heard of them is just because they're older in a different generation and uh, haven't been in the scene since before I was even born. But listening to those guys can be a lot of fun and just to hear him talk about how they got started coming up in the different territories and what they had to go through uh, just to make it to the ring and i'll be honest i think one of the only interviews i have heard lately that i really just didn't care for was robbie e from tna uh i think the reason i didn't like him because he seems exactly like the same guy outside the ring as he does inside the ring and I just really don't like that character. And so I guess maybe I don't like him as a person, just from what I hear. But I don't know him as a person. I just don't like his personal character. All right. So that said, for a podcast interview, if I just went to Talk is Jericho on my little iPhone app, 
which I do, if I went and clicked on Talk is Jericho and I clicked on Stephanie McMahon with no expectations, this would have been a really fun interview to listen to. I'm not sure this interview required a live network broadcast, but they, we got it. Hey, I liked it. It had some fun stories. The interview wasn't so much Stephanie McMahon, the head of WWE, as it was Stephanie McMahon, the daughter of Vince McMahon. It was, a fun, it was fun listening to her talk about how she got started in the business, answering phones, talking about getting started as a performer. It was fun hearing her talk about being scared of George the Animal Steel as a kid and how she wasn't sure if it, wrestling was real or not. Uh, I mean, she talked about dating Triple H early on. Oh, talking about her husband. Call the press. Uh, is Stephanie re- is Stephanie referring to who she is in the ring bad for business? She said, I play a bully on TV, but that's not who I am in real life. Or does it really just not matter anymore? What if Vince McMahon would have came out in the Attitude Era and said, this is just a character? What would that have done to the WWF and pro wrestling in general? Or was that what he did when he changed it from WWF to WWE? When he changed it from uh, a wrestling federation to wrestling entertainment? When he changed the professional wrestler to a sports entertainer? Which is what? A what? He's a what? He's a sports entertainer? No. He, my friend, is a wrestler, a professional wrestler. This, uh, that is, this is what your superstars do, all right? They wrestle in the ring that you own. Uh, the, yeah, they're professional wrestlers, and they get in the wrestling ring. I hate to break it to the folks at WWE, but the second W in your name, WWE, stands for wrestling. The second W stands for wrestling. They're wrestlers. And it must be hard for a lot of the guys in WWE today to spend so much time in the indies working for a place, places called Ring of Honor and Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. Guys who have spent so much of their lives mastering the craft of professional wrestling to scratch and claw the way, their way to the top of every company they worked for. And I'm talking about guys like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I'm talking about guys like Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose, your world heavyweight champion, Seth Rollins. I'm talking about guys like CM Punk and Finn Balor who would eat, sleep, and breathe professional wrestling. Guys who stars slept in their cars, sacrificed everything just to be called a professional wrestler. And then they get to the top of the mountain. They get to the WWE, the big payday, and are told that they are no longer professional wrestlers. They are now sports entertainers and superstars. And if anybody has seen the WWE show Superstars, trust me, you don't want to be a superstar. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is <laughs> no, nobody is tuning in week after week for anything except wrestling. Uh, you don't have uh, over a million network subscriptions for the acting, okay? It's not for the Miz. And if you want more network subscriptions, you're going to have to improve the in-ring ratio. More wrestling. Um, and movies. Put the movies on there. 
So, is Stephanie McMahon saying that she's just a character in the ring bad for business? Here's another side to the question. The number one thing people tell me when they tell me they used to watch wrestling and quit, all right? The number one thing people tell me when I ask why they stopped watching wrestling, well, usually I don't even have to ask. They just offer the information. But when people tell me why they stopped watching wrestling, the number one reason I hear is I quit when I found out it was fake. So is Stephanie McMahon saying that she's just a character in the ring bad for business? Would these people who put so many years of their childhood into it, would they a have would they have watched if they knew it was fake coming in? I think so. If they knew it was scripted, kids are coming in today. They they sure aren't being lied to. I mean, I don't know what their parents are telling them. But if you are never lied to up front, what do you have to get mad about later? So, is Stephanie McMahon saying that she's just a character in the ring bad for business? Not anymore. I don't think so. Everybody knows it's, but it does lose a little, like, we choose. We know that she's this, per, but we choose to put that character on her. She plays it well. We go with it. Sim, it's the reality era. I, but I, I don't, you know, at least they're honest about it now. Because I, I was a kid. I'll be honest. I, when Earthquake smashed Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan went to the hospital and, oh, he was out for a while and probably went to go make Suburban Commando or something. But when Earthquake smashed Hulk Hogan and they had all the promos and like, oh, you can write in to Hulk Hogan. I was so sad. I thought Hulk was really hurt. I went to my dad and I was probably crying. Okay, I was crying. Dad, dad, Hulk Hogan is hurt and I want to write him a letter. And my dad was like, shut up. You're stupid, boy. You're stupid. No, he didn't say that. But he probably didn't let me write that letter because I was stupid. All right. So that's a thing. Like when when I was a kid, that was real. These were real life superheroes. Hulk Hogan was as good as Superman, and Macho Man was like Lex. He was Batman, like Million Dollar Man is Lex Luthor. I mean, these are literally superheroes and supervillains, and they played the part and they would live the part. So if one day you grew up and you thought Superman was real and then you found out Superman wasn't real, you'd be a little upset. But if from the beginning they told you John Cena is a character, so one day you can never get mad, then, well, you'll probably follow that character because people follow characters. People like fiction. People like fiction a lot. Comic-Con's huge. People love fiction. So if people will get into fiction and without having to tell them Batman's real, well, then people will get into pro wrestling without having to tell them that it's real either. And I think that's what's happened. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to our gimmick change of the week. Uh, this week, uh, it's every week we go over, I take somebody who I feel is in desperate need of a gimmick change. And this week I have chosen... The Ascension. Ah, yes. The gimmick change of the week with The Ascension. Uh, the Ascension needs a gimmick change of a different nature. Uh, the Ascension needs to change their gimmick back 
to the ascension. You heard me correct. The ascension needs to stop being the ascension and start being the ascension again. Okay, because what what happened to this team? What happened to the ascension? I was so excited for them to come to the main roster, and now that they're here, I just feel bad for them. Like, really bad. They're not getting over at all. At all. And it's ugly. It's sad. I can honestly say I am sad for the ascension. I see how poorly they're received, and I get sad. And I see them being sad, and it makes me sad. The audience is obviously sad when they're around. Everybody is just sad. Now you at home are sad just hearing me talk about it. The Ascension is in a sad state. Uh, (laughs) Is it the way they were introduced or maybe their initial lack of push? Is the Ascension a first glimpse of proof that not everybody can convert from NXT to WWE? I don't think so. I don't think it's their fault. I don't think it's them. I don't. I don't, I, I don't think uh, it's them as talent, and I don't think it's the Ascension that isn't working. I don't blame the Ascension for what's going on. Again, I don't blame the Ascension for what's going on, because what we're getting isn't the Ascension. This isn't the same Victor and Connor that was in NXT that everybody was so excited about seeing on the main roster. And this isn't the same Ascension, nor is this the Ascension. This is a bad parody of the Legion of Doom. Victor and Connor are not, are not Hawk and Animal. And the Ascension is not the Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors. And they shouldn't, should not be dressing like them. They are one Oh, what a rush. I'm going to say that again. They are one. Oh, what a rush. Away from a copyright infringement. Even Road Warrior Animal says these guys shouldn't be in the gimmick they are. And he says, quote, I feel bad for them. Again, Road Warrior Animal said, in quote, about the Ascension, I feel bad for them. That's not good at all. (laughs) That's not good when the person you are emulating says that they feel bad for you. Maybe if Animal himself would have had a hand in helping put them over, but he didn't. They went the opposite approach With that, instead of having them get the push, they had them talk down on the legends, which might be okay uh, if you weren't dressed like the person you're putting down. Randy Orton wouldn't have been able to be a legend killer if he came out dressed like the legends. And no part of me thinks this is the idea of the ascension. No part of me thinks that this was their idea. This look with the shoulder pads and the face paint, it wasn't conceived by Victor and Connor with a K. And here's the thing. They didn't do too much to the Ascension uh, when they brought them up from NXT, but but they did just enough to make people really uncomfortable with what's going on. They, they added the red lining, the shoulder pads, and the face paint. And that's not, again, good. That's not good. Uh, 
Another thing, totally unrelated to the Road Warrior gimmick, their names are Victor and Connor with a K. There are no C's in their names. There is not one letter C in Victor or Connor. Just K's. Like, they're supposed to be German badasses. Uh, Has anybody ever once looked at the Ascension and thought German? Uh, Not for a second. They're like half a character. Why try to make them sound German if you're not going to have them be German? Somewhere between NXT and Monday Night Raw, the Ascension met with WWE Creative, and they said, you guys should look like the Legion of Doom when you debut. And they said, what? And WWE Creative went, yeah, trust me, you'll make tons of money. And Victor and Connor with a K went, money, do we have to move to Chicago? And WWE said, no, but we want you also to talk shit on the Legion of Doom your second week there. And they said, so wait, you want us to dress like the Legion of Doom and then go out and talk shit on the Legion of Doom while mimicking their look? And WWE Creative went, yes, And the WWE Universe went, no. These are two large and talented wrestlers who operate wonderfully as a tag team, who could do wonderful things for the current tag team division, but nobody can see it because people can't see past the look. Usually, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but in this case, you should. I really hope they do something with those guys. I really do. Um... They're so good. I think they could be great. They could if they would have just left them alone. If they would have just brought them up, left them alone. They didn't need the extra flair. It's ridiculous. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the raw recap. Chino. That's right. Uh, every week, I take the hottest, most bubbly, caffeinated parts of Monday Night Raw. And I break them down. I love Monday Night Raw. I love the live show. Monday Night Raw changed what television wrestling was. Uh, I mean, before Raw TV, at least for the WWF at the time, uh, wrestling on TV was just a lot of squash matches with no-name jobbers and a lot of commentary and interviews. It wasn't until Raw that we really started getting some solid matches and fun weekly content. And don't get me wrong, I watched anyways every week, but when Raw started, things picked up for uh, the WWE, WWF at the, and professional wrestling, uh, especially the television. So again, I, uh, I, as I said last week, I'm really liking the product right now. There's a lot of new heel changes, a lot of good laughs, a lot of good matches, and uh, a lot of good talent. Uh, to start off tonight with the Raw recap of Chino, I'm going, I'm going to the Divas division. Uh, Tamina Snuka and Naomi. Ladies and gentlemen, now that, I'm going to say it again, now that, Snuka and Naomi, that, Naomi, lady, girl, woo. That is a heel change. Wow. Wow. Those two ladies did what New Day should have done and, quite frankly, what they should still do. Does anybody remember when Big E was worth watching? When he was a beast in the ring? As I said earlier, go back and watch some Big E Langston matches in NXT. They're fun to watch. He had good character, good personality. He was crazy, and he even did a five count. Now it's just almost intolerable to watch. Even his heels, they are just awful. And when I look at at how Naomi and Tamina Snuka came out on Raw and attacked the Bella Twins, it was clear-cut example. A clear-cut example of what the New Day 
should have done. Not this neon green, happy-go-lucky. I don't think that's doing any of them favors. Even his heels, it's horrible. They're, they're, they're backstage promos. They're photo bombs to people as they're walking to the ring. It's not what they should be doing right now. They shouldn't be clowns. So when I saw Naomi and Tamina bust out of the back in black leather, ah, I got excited, and not just because it was two badass women in tight leather. No, because when I, they walked out, I knew those are two badass women. It wasn't what they were wearing, although it really helps with the new heel change, especially for Naomi, and it's a great way to come back for Snuka. That combo works, and it excites me. It excites me a lot. The Ascension should take note of those two ladies. The New Day should take note of those two ladies. Tyson Kidd and Cesaro should take note of those two ladies. Every tag team in the WWE, every superstar in the WWE should take note of Naomi and Tamina Snuka because that was a clinic. That was a clinic on how to make an appearance, a clinic on how to stay fresh, a clinic on how to draw emotion from an audience, a clinic on how to evolve. And not only was it a fresh new look, not only are they allowing their characters to evolve, When you're the new dog in the park, what do you do? You take down the biggest dog you see, and who's the biggest dog in the WWE Divas division right now? Well, it doesn't get any bigger than the Bella Twins, at least not at the moment, and the Bella Twins have gotten just enough face push the past couple weeks for people to care about this. For people to uh, react. I I honestly think that people were just so excited. Uh... I mean, the WWE Universe loved it, and how can you not? I think it may have been more the heel change than the Bellas being attacked, maybe, but I'm, how can you not love that? For so many reasons. They were excited to see Tamina back, and why would you not be? And what a great way to bring her back. Totally unexpected. unexpected. Exciting. Uh, ex- excited for the change of Naomi. And I'll I'll be honest, I was a little scared with Naomi after last week when Naomi came out in the color-changing shoes as part of her new heel turn. Like, the music and the shoes just weren't enough for people to care about the heel turn. It wasn't definitive enough. This was enough. What we saw Monday with Naomi and Tamina Snuka, that was enough. That was perfect. Congratulations to Tamina and Naomi. You two ladies have the undivided attention of the WWE Universe and the WWE. You uh, know everybody saw that at home, in the seats, backstage. People saw it. People remembered it. And everybody uh, wants to see it again. I'm sure the Bella Twins are excited about it too. A nice new feud. Let's them be the face for a little bit. Could we see Tamina and Naomi? Uh, now again, these two ladies were in sync. All right, they meant business. They were there together, and you knew that just by looking at them. So could we see Naomi and Tamina not only influence 
Now hear me out. Not only influence the new day to evolving to darker characters, but actually team up with the new day. Again, Biggie Langston is a beast when he's not preaching and dancing around like an idiot. And I hope Big E listens to this. And I hope you're listening right now, Big E. Heck, I hope anybody is listening to this right now. But Big E, if you're listening, stop dancing around like an idiot. Can you imagine Kofi Kingston, who is still uh, in desperate need uh, of some new life? Uh, Because I like Kofi. I was really behind him for a long time. When he had that feud with Orton a long time ago in the race car, I thought he was going straight to the top. Nope, not even close. So when I heard about this potential New Day before uh, there was even a name for the group, I was excited. Uh, I think a heel Kingston could be uh, great for a while. I think it could be great. I Big E is crazy. Xavier Woods is 100% whatever you need him to be. But I promise you, uh, <laughs> I promise you, put in a darker role with a bigger group, I really think we could see Xavier Woods shine as some really strong heels, not these dancing clowns that they are right now. WWE hasn't even scratched the surface with that guy. When I look at the New Day and I think of Xavier Woods, uh, I think of Seth Rollins. Like, he's kind of in the background a lot in this faction. But when that faction separates, and they will, factions always fall apart. And when the New Day runs its course and those three go separate ways, Xavier Woods is going to shine if they can get New Day in a better direction with a different light. So... Picture Tamina and Naomi as we just got reintroduced to them in the ring cutting a promo with a different, much darker New Day. Could we see some, we could see some pretty great stuff out of them, out of that team. Out of, that would be a strong faction. You could see gold across the board in that faction. Ugh. I'm so disappointed with WWE for turning Cesaro and Tyson Kidd face. They were so good as a heel. People enjoyed them because of their heel persona. They are just natural heels right now. And again, putting them in a face is just turning them into clowns. They don't need to be clowns. They're talented athletes. Uh, Nightheart is great. She doesn't look like a fate. They're not. Oh, God. It's the, uh, I hate to say it. But I think we're going to see Rusev go down a dark road of mid-cards and lack of interest. We could see this Rusev character do what I knew it would do from day one, and that's get stale and run out of steam. Uh, In his match on Raw, I would have liked to see Rusev not break the accolade on Fandango. I mean, he danced with his woman. That's grounds for a camel clutch, in my opinion. But they're trying to build this tension between Rusev and Lana. So, have Rusev keep the accolade on Fandango, then have Lana come out begging Rusev to break the hold. And it's just another, it's another line of tension you can build if that's what you're trying to do, which obviously you are. Uh, Last week on the Yes Talk, I made what I feel is a pretty accurate prediction when I compared Lana and Rusev to Mark Marrow and Sable. Uh, 
This week on Lana's rumored push, good old JR, Jim Ross said, quote, I'm curious to see how this Lana Rusev business plays out. Lana has it and may end up being a bigger star than Rusev as stranger things have happened. See Sable and Mark Marrow, end quote. Which means Jim Ross is listening to the Yes Talk. Thank you. I said it first. That's right. Jim Ross listens to the Yes Talk. Jim Ross quoted Dustin Kaufman. I thank you. So if two of the best minds in professional wrestling, speaking, of course, of Jim Ross and myself, Dustin Kaufman. So if two of the best minds in pro wrestling in a week's time have compared Lana and Rusev to Sable and Mark Merrow, uh, well, that's not a compliment to Rusev. Okay. That's not, that's doesn't, that doesn't do him well in the long run. Mark Merrow did nothing when Sable left him. Like his career was pretty much over pretty quickly after that, at least with the WWF. Uh, that said, Sable uh, wouldn't have been Sable without Mark Marrow. Okay. He gave her the platform to build on without somebody to fight away from and to build on and build off of. We Sable would not have been that strong of a character, that powerful of a character. Okay, he gave her that platform. So is Rusev just a platform for Lana in the long run, in the big picture? I severely hope not. And I said from the beginning that I don't like the Rusev character. It's not the it's not the talent behind the character. It's the character. It's not a good character. For one, we've seen it before. All right, and there's no longevity as many times as we've seen the Russian or the stereotypical Iraqi or the stereotypical Finnish or the stereotypical Bulgarian or the Russian or the Russian or the Russian. We've seen it a lot. And the one thing we've learned from this character is there's no longevity in this character. It doesn't last. And the character has no room to evolve. The best you can get out of Rusev, the character, is an eventual face change. Okay? That's it. I'm, unless what? Are we going to... Unless he turns into the Sergeant Slaughter, who after he came back for many years, he was I, holding the Iraqi flag, walking with the Iron Sheik. This could have been played by Rusev. So maybe that's the direction. Rusev gets a face turn and becomes Mr. America. Suddenly Rusev is wearing the U.S. title and proud to wear it for the United States. Is that what we're going to see? Because we saw it. And the last time we saw it, it was with the heavyweight title, not the third tier title. I know I say the third tier right now. It is the second tier because there is no intercontinental title right now. But the U.S. title is the third tier title. So this is a, dig a digression of repetition. And I wouldn't be mad if you just had him come out and say, I'm not really Russian, but I can fight, but I can fight. I am waiting to see Rusev versus Samoa Joe. I cannot wait to see Rusev 
versus Samoa Joe. If it happens, it seems like it's happening. That's going to be a fun fight. Uh, all right. Uh, what else was going on on Raw? Our truth uh, running from the rubber spiders was hilarious. Another good laugh for Raw. I thank you. Our truth is a funny guy. I he's funny, and without uh, without Santino, he's doing really good as a comic relief. That man is a hundred percent clown. He's he's good at it though. He's good at it. Um, are we ever going to see Cody Rhodes again? You know, I, I was pretty disappointed when Dustin turned to Goldust. I was. Uh, I, I was probably one of the only ones. But when he first entered, a lot of you may or may not remember, when he first started, came back as Dustin Reynolds, he was a, re a resemblance of his father, you know? And his dad was just stopping. Uh, he was getting out of wrestling as much. And I really liked the continuation of the family, that torch. I liked the Rhodes torch. Dusty was such a powerful uh, person and such a powerful character and such and character like shoot and kayfabe. Dusty has had so much influence in professional wrestling. And so when I saw Dustin come along at that point, he's still wearing the cowboy boots, had the fluffy, just a thinner version of his dad, even the blonde hair. I really liked it. I thought, okay, we could see a lot here. But then, then came Goldust. And I'm like, oh, here's another one of the WWF uh, applause breaks right there. Okay, that's gold. But it, he, he played it well. And I was actually really happy when Stardust appeared. That was, ah, oh, man, that was exciting. When Cody Rhodes switched and that team existed, oh, man, I wish it was still. But as a team, that was so odd. They were so good. I was so happy. That was such a cool, because I thought it was going to go the other way, which it never even did that. I thought we were going to see Dustin take off the makeup, and then they would have like a Dustin versus Cody fight. Um, but no, it uh, it definitely didn't go that way. It was uh, it, ah, it it was great. And again, I think it's such a cool evolution for Cody because going from the dashing one and handsome and all, when he was in the mirror with his mustache and how always talking about how perfect he was and how he never wanted anybody to hit his face. And now he is just a complete freak. I mean, Stardust is essentially like a, a monster, if you will. I mean, a monster. Is that too? Is that too much? Am I putting too much on that character? There's such oddities. I don't know. I don't know what they are, but but it's great, and it's so far from where Cody Rhodes used to be. I really like the character. I like the rubber spider gag with our truth tonight. It's fun. Um, I and I think things like that are good at this point. There, he's not really doing a lot story wise, so I think Cody can take this time. I'm sorry, Stardust. I just pulled a JBL there. Uh, Sorry about that. I think Stardust should take this time uh, to evolve the character, to let us get to know the character, to have fun. Uh, because at the end of the day, if, if you're dressing up like Stardust and you're not having fun, then you should stop dressing up like Stardust. Um, so I love the new John Cena sucks chant. Ah, John Cena sucks. 
John Cena sucks. John Cena sucks. It, it, it eliminates, what it does is it eliminates the let's go Cena, Cena sucks. It eliminates that, which is such a funny chant. Uh, but again, I'm not a big fan of that chant. I, I, let's go Cena, Cena sucks. Well, that's you have the entire crowd chanting for one person in the match, uh, negating the other person working their ass off in the ring. And you, again, you only saw that with a couple people. You'd see, let's go Cena, let's go Brian, let's, you know, or let's go Cena, let's go Ambrose. He got it. Let's go Cena. Let's go Wyatt. Wyatt definitely got it. Wyatt definitely got it. But everyone else is let's go Cena. Cena sucks. So even though those guys are chanting Cena sucks, they're still chanting for Cena and leaving another guy just empty, unchanted for in the ring. So if you want to see people succeed, chant for them in the ring. And please stop chanting, feed me more. That's just stop it, okay? Stop chanting, feed me more. Please, please. Oh, God, please. Okay, so Cena, look, uh, not a fan of the character. I do like the I do like the new chant, though. The John Cena sucks, because what it does is it eliminates the other chant by tone, because you don't leave room for the let's go Cena you're actually chanting with the music and you're drowning out the music. The fans, the WWE universe is drowning out the music with these chants. You can hear them well and clearly over the music. You can. And they're louder than the children who are chanting, let's go Cena. And honestly, here's another thing without the let's go Cena, Cena sucks chant. Um, well, there's nobody's chanting "Let's go Cena," right? I mean, maybe if they're gonna do "Let's go Cena," clap, 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 clap. Let's go Cena, clap, clap, clap. But that gets drowned out, and that's not happening because you just get the kids. Kids don't know all the chants yet. They're kids. They like John Cena, yay, John's. But they get washed out by the adults, and the adults are the primarily the ones chanting "Let's Cena sucks," you know, John Cena. I always feel weird. I'll be honest. I'll go to these uh, live events and I feel weird chanting against John Cena. I, it, and I do it. And that's one of the reasons I go. So I can chant against John Cena. I, I, it's fun. I paid my, that's what's fun for me. I enjoy chanting against John Cena. He's fun for me to cheer against. Okay. So, but what you get are these little kids who look at you when they're, they're, they're like, let's go Cena. And you're like, Cena sucks. And they look at you like, what? John Cena doesn't suck. Well, how could you say that? And I, and I part of, and, and I don't want to turn into the bully. Like Cena sucks kid. Cause I know it's like, you, why don't you teach your kids something, mister? All right. I think we all know who the bad guy is here and it's not me. All right. So I know how the kids feel, though. I remember I was at uh, the WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania four close circuit TV here at Kansas City, probably Bartle Hall. Um, and I was, you know, I'm a kid. That's what, 80, I was six years old, maybe almost six 
huge John Cena fan. Or four, that would have been nine. I was nine years old. I'm sorry. WrestleMania uh, four, I was, I was eight, almost nine years old. And I closed circuit TV, surrounded by people. And I'm cheering. I'm like, Hogan, yay, Hogan, let's go. And guys behind me were booing Hogan and cheering for Andre. And they were probably closer to my age now. Like, they were then, you know, probably in their 30s, 20s, 30s, something like that. I don't know. I was a kid. But when people started cheering for Andre and cheering against Hogan, it blew my mind. I remember feeling like, why, how could they do that? Because I've only ever watched at home. I've only ever heard and cheered for what I was told to cheer for. I'm a kid. I was nine years old. I thought it was real. Again, I cried when, when Hogan got crushed by earthquake. Okay. I thought it was a real, I was a kid. This was my show. It was the world wrestling federation. So that was my first glimpse into like heel and heel fans. And to, to the idea that you can cheer for whoever you want. But I do remember that feeling of, oh my God, how could they do this? So as much as I feel bad for chanting John Cena sucks and having the kid look at me, um, I, I will say to the kids this. Now I sit here on the yes talk and say, you're welcome. Okay, you're welcome for teaching you what your dad should have taught you a long time ago. And that's you can cheer and chant and root for whoever you want. And sometimes the right guy to cheer for isn't always who you're told to cheer for. So kids, suck it and you're welcome. All right. So, all right. Move. I haven't even started this segment. Uh, the only thing I had written for this was I love the new John Cena sucks chant. Okay. So every, there was, now I'm going to get to a script. <laughs> All of that's just ranting. All right. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I had fun with it. Uh, here I go. All right. So as much as I don't like Cena, the character, man, he's so good on the mic and so good with the crowd. Each week he takes a crowd chanting John Cena sucks and gets them to cheer for him and interact with him in a positive way. Sure, it's a lot of pandering, but they fall for it. They fall for it. They go, John Cena sucks, yay, that match. John Cena sucks, yay, my hometown. It's, so, uh, this, getting into this, the U.S. Open Challenge, uh, what a fun, from open to close, from the time Cena walked out to the time that match was over, it was amazing. Um, what an amazing card. I loved it, man. There was a lot of spots on on Raw this week. I, re I really liked. Really liked. Like, when Ambrose, when they just added Ambrose to the Seth Rollins, it, just that added stipulation, man, that did so much to that match. I... I was cheering so hard for Ambrose in that match. It really did a lot. Okay, so the U.S. Open Challenge loved the Bret Hart spot. I loved Bret Hart coming out. I thought that was great. He's Slater getting knocked out by Bret Hart. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And Bret Hart is here to introduce Sammy, 
Sami Zayn, ah, oh, hometown hero. I've, I've seen the guy live. I've watched him a lot in the indies as uh, El Generico. I was pretty excited to hear that he got brought to NXT. Um, I've watched him come up through NXT. Um, and I hope his injury's okay. But Sami Zayn, it took him a long time to get there. Okay, that's that took him a long time to get. Like, this is the biggest match of his life. He comes out. He comes out. And he has a milk mustache? What? Like, you th- really? Sam- you'd think you'd check yourself before going on stage. You know, th- how's my hair? Do I have a booger? Do I have a milk mustache? Uh, but So he hurt himself, actually, it appears, on the way to the ring. He was injured. I think it, from what I, one of the things they're saying, it was when he threw his arms up. It was either when he threw his arms up uh, when he jumps onto the stairs entering the ring because you can see him nursing his arm uh, as he enters the ring or it was injured before he even came out and it just got a little bit worse. Um, We haven't gotten full reports back of Sami Zayn's injury, but man, man, what a match. That guy has got talent. That guy has got heart. He is a made man if he can get through this. That's that's the thing it's it's if if he can get through this um because right now i mean Sami Zayn just had the best match of his life best biggest most impressive probably um prob- maybe even just the best match of his career not only on a level of like oh man this is career changing that was a great match because of what was at stake because i mean Okay, uh, yes, El Generico in the Indies had some pretty fun matches. Really fun matches. The story with this match told between Bell to Bell was incredible. And Cena helped sell that. And one, um, like, so if Sammy can get out and if this injury is not too bad, if he can get back in a month or two months, maybe even by SummerSlam, if he can be in the ring by SummerSlam, he'll be okay because he has a lot of heat. People Now, if this isn't a good injury, and if we don't see Sammy until Royal Rumble, well, that's not good. You don't want, Sammy Zayn doesn't want to be coming back to WWE at the Royal Rumble. For one, he's not going to win the Royal Rumble. And he's not going to main event WrestleMania 32. Okay? He's not. He, Sammy's, I'll say that in case. And this isn't a smack on Sami Zayn. It's not a smack on the Indies or NXT. This is just fact. Even if Sammy wouldn't have just hurt himself, Sami Zayn will not and would not have been headlining WrestleMania 32. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. So Sammy doesn't want to come back at WrestleMania, at Royal Rumble because he'll, he'll get his pop, and then, yeah, they'll, they'll run him afterwards. But he can come back better than that. Sammy wants to come back with enough time to be able to have an intercontinental title match or a U.S. title match at WrestleMania 32. And maybe the Royal Rumble would give him, okay, he's not going to win, but we're going to get a good taste of him. Um, 
And then he could go on after and start building to some like mid card title. But uh, I, three months, Sami Zayn. I'd, I'd like to see him going for like Sami Zayn versus a Daniel Bryan or even C John Cena. Now that's the rematch. Could we get that rematch at SummerSlam? Could John now John Cena will put you over at SummerSlam, not at WrestleMania, but he'll put you over at SummerSlam. So John Cena, Sami Zayn, two at SummerSlam. And that would be Sami's first match back. Um, I, I think that could play well. In fact, if I was creative, if I was WWE, I would leave him off the shelf for the next couple months. Keep him out of NXT. Keep him off the cameras. You just hide Sami Zayn. This is saying that he's okay. And if he'll at least be ready in a month or two, you just keep him off the shelf. You have Sami Zayn come back like a four weeks before SummerSlam. You have him walk out, interrupt, or just come out and call him out. But you have him come out, call out John Cena for his rematch, a non-injured 100% Sami Zayn for that U.S. title at SummerSlam. That would have heat. That would have heat because you have, like, how much more of an underdog story do you need than that? How much would people be cheering for Sami Zayn to get that U.S. title off of John Cena at SummerSlam if he still has it? If we don't have a Mr. America Rusev by then, who knows? Maybe Rusev will again have the U.S. title as Captain America. Maybe Rusev will come out in a literal Marvel Avengers Captain America outfit with the U.S. title. Maybe that's the heel change or the face change Rusev needs. Maybe he's going to go so America, he's going to come out in a Marvel Avengers Captain America suit with the mask on the motorcycle, hopefully with the shield, and he should put a mount on the shield to put the belt on. So when he holds the shield, it's just like the belt right there. That's ridiculous. All right, sorry. Anyway, so right after Sammy uh, got injured, uh, right after the doctor... Came into the ring. The match took a pause. Cena, Zane, doctors are checking out Sammy. He's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, whatever. Maybe they popped it back in. I don't know what happened. He said, I'm fine. Match continued. He's obviously still hurt. And Sammy's holding his arm down. His arm is just dangling. And he's telling Cena, come on, come on, let's do this. Let's do this. This is my chance, and I'm not just going to walk out. This is my chance. And John Cena almost mocked him. A little bit. Do you guys? Did you guys see that? Did anyone else see that? John Cena almost—he uh, was like, "I'm gonna wrestle you one arm." He's like, John Cena put it one arm limp, and he's like, he started acting like as if he was gonna wrestle Zayn with one arm too, and uh, and Sami Zayn, I don't know what he said to him, uh, but I knew it was no. I I feel like he told him a thousand things. Uh, in one second, because right when Cena started to mock, almost mock the Sami Zayn injury, 
um, uh, it's you could see it. It just it was so quick. Um, Sammy was like, "No, he said it's like he said I might be injured, uh, but don't you dare." Sammy told Cena, he said, "Don't you dare give me anything less than one hundred percent of John Cena." Yes, this is my Raw debut. I now have three limbs, but don't you give me anything less than your 100%. He said, this is my break. This is my biggest match to date. The biggest match in my career. And I'm not going to let anyone slow it down. Not an injured shoulder, not a doctor, and definitely not you, John Cena. And Cena gave it to him. And that match was the match of Raw. So good. And did anyone notice Cena tapped out? Did anyone else notice that John Cena tapped out? He tapped. When, when Sammy put him in that submission, Cena tapped his boot. You can go back and watch that again. It was a light tap. I think it may have actually been a, hey, that's too hard. But he tapped his boot. He tapped. John Cena, you could go back. Watch that match. And you could ring the bell and put the belt on an injured Sami Zayn and nobody could argue with you because John Cena tapped out. Uh, I think the more the, the better our talent get, the more top-notch guys we get on the roster, it seems like the less effective John Cena's AA is. Like... He puts them on their shoulders. He goes to flip. And guys are just landing on their feet now. I mean, even Sami Zayn with three limbs landed on his butt. It was enough to not lose that time to it. So the better the talent get, the less effective John Cena's five moves of doom are becoming. But, you know, he has the new, the wait, they're calling it the springboard stunner. I know T-Mac across the hall, Captain Ott, they call it... John Cena's the Patriot drop uh, via the U.S. title. So that's a nice name for it. But so it's it's it is interesting to see John Cena almost trying to adapt, even if it is just with like a couple moves here or there. And I've seen Cena try to do some pretty stupid things that Cena shouldn't do in the ring, just trying to do new stuff, trying to evolve with the times. I think Cena knows that the talent is so good right now, he's going to need at least seven moves. He's going to need at least seven because five just isn't cutting it anymore. All right, uh, King Barrett... Um, King Barrett, uh, his name card on the screen uh, during the introduction said bad news. The commentators call him bad news. He may have even been announced as bad news, but you know what they didn't say uh, one time? You know what bad news didn't say one time? Not one time did bad news say, I've got some bad news. Uh, it, no, no, no. It's all good news for King Barrett. He's the king of the ring. He's the king, and he's selling it. He's selling it the way only a heel could. As I mentioned last week, I was absolutely rooting for Adrian Neville in the King of the Ring, but to play the king, you need to be the king. And Barrett was the smart choice, not even for talent because of the heel, because the king has to flaunt it. How could you say that? How could you say Barrett is 
as king is good. Oh, this is terrible. Because you don't want him to be king. That's why it's good. You don't want to hear him say, All hail, King Barrett. All hail, King Barrett. You don't want to see him flaunt his victory. You don't want to see him strutting to the ring in his purple royal robe, wearing the crown and carrying the scepter. You don't want to see any of that. And that's just what he's doing. And he's going to do. He'll continue to do. And I'm pretty sure he's going to do it well. He's doing it well. At least so far. It's been a week. And when he said. You all better get used to hearing me say. All hail King Barrett. All hail King Barrett. I believed him. Do you remember King Booker? Do you remember how many times he would say or actually have someone else say all hail King Booker? Do you remember his entrances to the ring? Here, let me play. This is King Booker. Booker T as King Booker uh, entering the ring. Tired of me saying it? Barrett, yeah. You're going to be tired of hearing him say it too. All hail King Barrett. And that's why he's perfect. That's why he won because he can take it there. That's exactly what they're going to give you is all hail King Barrett. And it takes, it, it's a heel role. To be a good king, nobody wants to root for the king. You know what King Barrett doesn't want to do? King Barrett doesn't want to be called Bad News Barrett anymore. WWE already had a Bad News. Sure, it was WWF and his name was Bad News Brown, but we had a Bad News. I will say this, Bad News Barrett played the Bad News role. Good. It was fun. It was a fun gimmick. But he's evolving and he should do that. Yes, we, we've we had a Bad News before, but we've had a King before too. Yeah, but this is different. This is totally different line of a character. Uh, just having the same nickname as a legend is way different. And maybe I'm stretching calling Bad News Barrett a legend, but he's, to me, he's a legend of the, of the ring in WWF. He was... He's one of the great heels I grew up with. He was a badass. Uh, so, um, and it's different to share a nickname, sharing a nickname than winning the crown. I mean, we used to have winner gets the crown matches, which we could see. We could see somebody challenge bad news and take the crown from him. I remember a Harley race versus junkyard dog winner gets the crown match. That, I mean... These are things that have happened. There is a great line of people who have won King of the Ring, who have worn the crown. Aside from Jerry the King Lawler, who I don't even know if he actually won a king, but King Mabel, 
William Regal, Tito Santana, Billy Gunn, Ken Shamrock, Don Morocco, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar King right there, Seamus, Harley Race, King, Harley Race, Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Edge, Macho King, Randy Savage, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and of course... There's a weird teaming happening with King, Barrett, and Sheamus. They've been pairing them together, which could get dangerous. That could get dangerous, okay? Uh, Sheamus needs to be careful teaming with Barrett too much right now, or he's going to see an unwanted face turn. Uh, I don't see Barrett getting a face turn, really, anytime soon. But uh, Sheamus needs to be careful teaming with Barrett or one of them is going to get a face turn. Because here's the problem with Sheamus teaming with King Barrett. Not Wade Barrett, not Bad News Barrett, but King Barrett. This is the problem with Sheamus teaming with a King Barrett. When you are not a king, and you stand with a king, you are not a king. And Sheamus needs to be seen on a higher pedestal than less than a king. Seamus can't be anything less than a king in his own world. He's going to get called a henchman. He's going to get called a jester. Or knowing the WWE universe, they're going to chant Queen Seamus. Please start doing that. Please. The Yes Talk, hashtag Queen Seamus. Hashtag the yes talk, please. Thank you. All right. So, <clears throat> Seamus, you chant Queen Seamus. Well, let me tell you something. Seamus isn't going to stand there and let you chant Queen anything or Jester or Henchman. So, that's a. I'm curious to see how that plays out. You have two very strong heels teaming up, one of them is a king. So, in the WWE, they really like to stir things up. They like to put friends together and then have them, have them fight each other. So, I, I really hope they don't try to take any... I don't see him taking any of the heel away from Sheamus right now. He's such a good heel. Maybe Wade Barrett needs the face turn. Maybe that's what needs to happen. I mean, has he been a good heel has Wade Barrett been a good heel? Was Bad News Barrett a good heel? Is King Barrett going to be a good heel? Has Barrett been a good heel? What has he done? Has he, he loses a lot. He hasn't been a great heel. Uh, he's in great shape. Okay. Oh, fine. But he hasn't been a great heel. Uh, in fact, people kind of, I think, were laughing with him as the bad news character at times. So maybe maybe Barrett would, would be the one to get a face turn on that. Maybe Barrett could benefit from a face turn or going to TNA. Whatever. I'm just making suggestions. Uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are the Triple H and Shawn Michaels of the present and the future. Their chemistry, their matches, every time those two are going to step in the ring together, you know it's going to be a classic match. It's going to be awesome. They get, they have the history. They were a team together. They both came from the Indies. You know they've wrestled on the Indies before. I mean, so, I mean, these guys, 
know each other in and out. They came up in XT together. They walked through the WWE door together. And they're both amazing in-ring performers. It, that really excites me. Uh, those two, anytime they're in the ring, it's in Roman Reigns is not quite there, but he honestly is learning how to have exciting matches. He is learning, Roman Reigns is learning how to have exciting matches and be a good wrestler. Uh, to me, Reigns, one thing I notice, uh, maybe as a fan, maybe it's because I've just, you know, whatever. I, I think Roman Reigns, uh, his offensive game is that of a big man. You know, he's a big man when he hits somebody. He hits like a big man. He doesn't take hits like a big man. Uh, I think Roman Reigns over oversells his bumps. Uh, he's one of the baddest guys on the roster. Essentially, I mean, Roman Reigns should be thought of as the baddest guy on the roster next to Brock Lesnar, probably, who isn't really there right now. I mean, he's going to come back, but he's not there now. I mean, so uh, so w without Brock Lesnar, when Brock Lesnar isn't there, in my opinion, Roman Reigns should be the baddest man on the roster. So the baddest man on the roster doesn't get hit and fall down after a hit. He doesn't squirm and squiggle when he's getting hit by somebody half of his size. Uh, it's great to oversell your opponents, but your opponents for Roman Reigns, and this is for Roman Reigns, uh, opponents of Roman Reigns should be overselling for him to a point. I mean, don't make it cartoonish, obviously, but make it realistic. Reigns is a big, powerful, strong man. There's no denying that. He is a big, powerful, strong man who he was in. He was a former football player. He obviously spends time in the gym. He's got, he's, he's from the family. He's a, he's a strong guy and he hits, you know, he's a lot of power. He oversells on both ends. And I think he needs to stop overselling uh, his bumps. Like, if you fall down, get up, make him hit you a few times. To Like, the way that he has to throw a Superman punch on Brock Lesnar three times to knock him out. The way he's got to throw a Superman punch two, three times on Big Show to knock him out, at least at the paper. That's what other people should do to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns isn't a giant necessarily obviously next to the giant but for the common man on the roster roman reigns is a giant he's a monster and he sh he needs to learn to sell that a little bit more in my opinion uh i'm looking forward to the fatal four-way uh Kind of, I think that match just has one man too many now, and it's not Dean Ambrose. All right, like let's you if you're gonna have all the shield in the ring together, have all the shield in the ring together. Okay, let's build what it's like. You have a shield reunion for the title, and this is all the notice you give us, and and, and you have Randy Orton in there. Maybe this, maybe they'll set it up. Maybe the next pay-per-view will get the same match minus Randy Orton. 
Uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, those guys are going to be passing that belt around for a long time, I feel. Those guys are our present. We're going to see some other guys get into the mix. I don't see Randy Orton taking that belt right now. I really don't. Uh, not as a face. I don't. He wouldn't be my first choice, you know, of all three of those people. I'll just be honest. I mean, I'd rather see Reigns carry that title than Randy Orton. Oh, God, how could you say that? Because I have, haven't seen it happen yet. I, how many times have we seen the belt on Orton? Orton... I mean, he does maybe the opposite. He's going to undersell everything. So uh, I don't know what my prediction. I really feel that Seth Rollins is walking out of there. Um, I really feel Seth Rollins is walking out of there as the champion. Unless, again, unless we get a heel turn from either Dean Ambrose or Roman Reigns. We're not going to see Orton go back to the authority. Oh, God. God, I hope we don't see Orton go back to the authority. What what happened? Okay, let, let's think about that. What happens if Orton does go back? What, what, let's just, let's call that out. Orton double crosses all of them. Surprise twist. He never left the authority. He's right back standing with Kane, with Triple H, with J&J Security. All of a sudden, you have the shield on one side of the ring again who all just got f fucked essentially they just got they got snookered if you will all right that could be interesting thing to see i'm not i don't think that's what's going to happen um i'm not sure it would even lead to a shield reunion and as many times as as we've seen the randy orton i'd rather see randy orton retire then go back to a heel Randy Orton with the she with the authority. I'd rather see Randy Orton join the shield than the authority. <laughs> um, so I don't know. My, I, I have a two-way prediction. I'll have a definitive answer for you next week. This week, uh, I'm, re I'm really only going to say where Seth Rollins is leaving with the title unless Reigns or Ambrose turns heel and joins the authority. So, uh We'll have full predictions. That's our show for this week. Thank you guys so much. I'll have full payback predictions for you next week. Um, I think when they book the other half of the pay-per-view. So I'll let you know. Uh, we'll have that next week. Another gimmick change of the week. Another Raw Recappuccino. Uh, please share us with your friends. Again, it, you guys listening, it means so much to me. We have tripled our listeners on Trending Topics Network uh, in three weeks. Tripled them and... Uh, it just means so much. So keep listening. Keep sharing with your friends. You can go to iTunes, uh, type in the Yes Talk Pro Wrestling, and it'll take you, or Dustin Kaufman even. Follow us. That's K-A-U-F-M-A-N, King Adam Union Frank, Mary Adam Nancy, Dustin Kaufman. Follow the Yes Talk on Twitter, at the Yes Talk Facebook, slash Yes Talk. Um, thank you guys so much. I love you, and I love wrestling. All right, I'll talk to you next week.